right. All right, we're live. All right, everyone, welcome to Performance Psych Musings. Uh, my name's Peter Piasecki. And I'm David Farouk. And uh, yeah, welcome to PPM or Performance Psych Musings. Uh, this channel or this uh, uh, podcast, if you will, is um, everything to do with performance psych. Um, so we will be exploring some of the research that uh, myself and, and Dave, uh, what we're conducting and the topics we're interested in. Um, and that could be anywhere from sport, from exercise, performance context, um, emerging topics that we're coming across in the, our own research. Um, and yeah, we're sort of uh, just seeing where this goes um, and sharing uh, some of the information that we're gathering in our own sort of journeys. Um, and we would like to um, translate it to the general population um, so it could be uh, used in for a lay person or for other researchers or graduate students or people interested in um, this field. Uh, and yeah, just to start off, uh, I'll share a little bit about myself. Um, so I'm currently a PhD student at Boston University. Uh, I My research is focused on areas of group dynamics, uh, predominantly leadership and cohesion, um, team building interventions, things like that. Um, I'm also uh, engaged in uh, mindfulness and meditation research, um, which is one of my passions. And most recently, um, with my psychology background, I'm interested in like human flourishing and ultimately how an individual can um, live a healthy, uh, well life. Um, and, and what are some of the things individuals can do to get to a place of flourishing in their lives? Um, so that's a little bit about me. I'll, I'll let Dave share a little bit about himself. Awesome. Thanks for that, Pete. Um, so me and uh, Peter started PhD right about the same time. Um, so we've kind of been sharing a lot of experiences kind of side by side. Um, and my, my research is around flow, flow states, um, as kind of popularized by Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. Um, and I'm sort of taking an ecological dynamics perspective on flow states. So um, a lot about sort of performer environment um, adaptivity. Um, I'm really interested in co-adaptation. So the way that people adapt um, to performance contexts, um, given the fact that there are other performers, obviously, who are doing the same, right? So um, I'm kind of using this term co-adaptation, I think, to kind of transcend competition and cooperation, um, because, you know, there's sort of those multiple things going on at the same time. Um, I think I like that term to kind of capture that. Um, also really interested in sort of attention, um, anticipation, um, creativity, um, and a lot of the, the things that, you know, really kind of draw us to sport both as participants and, um, you know, as entertainment, as, you know, watching, you know, skilled athletes play. So, um, yeah, those are some of the things that are kind of pushing my interest forward um and i'm also just really interested in um kind of sport at you know a kind of a more zoomed out or an ontological level like what is it you know why do we do it um i think it's a really it's a really strange phenomena that maybe we don't think about that level just because it is kind of part of our lives um so yeah i'm in, interested in psychology um, and sport, um, but also, you know, the role that sport plays kind of in that kind of 
um, general psychological picture, sociological picture as well. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like every time you talk about the, I guess the purpose of sport in, in our lives and like, I mean, being living in America, um, it's interesting to see the impact that, that it has. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the basic, I mean, the basic sport of, I mean, it's not a basic sport, but the biggest sport in America, arguably is American football and how that impacts so many people's lives. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm wondering what, how'd you, how'd you find, like, how'd you pursue that interest? Like where, where did it initially start for you? So it goes back, um, you know, to playing personally, um, me and Peter played um, soccer together in, in college university level. So um, playing, but then afterwards coaching. Um, so coaching youth level, um, grassroots level soccer, um, <laughs> struggling not to say football um, being here in the UK, but um, yeah, coaching, I think seeing like when kids just kind of get into it, um, you can just see that point when something just kind of clicks and they just become obsessed with a sport. Um, I mean, of course, there's always cases that people speak about where the parents are, you know, maybe helicopter parents or living vicariously. But a lot of cases that I saw and the way that I experienced it when I was younger as well, it was just very organic. You know, sometimes the parents didn't seem to be that bothered about whether their kids did or didn't play, but the kids themselves were just like, absolutely obsessed um and I just always thought that was really interesting um and kind of the fact that sport does emerge you know globally across so many different contexts you know times and places um really different um you know lifestyles and organizations of society you know sport seems to be quite um universal across all those so kind of what what it was that's kind of making that continually reemerge um, was always a big question for me. Um, and obviously Chick sent me high kind of asking a lot of those questions as well. So I think that was where there's kind of a kind of a confluence. Yeah. That's so interesting. Just thinking about some of the work that I've done in sports psychology and like, particularly the like adolescence. Mm-hmm. And then you see, like you're saying how, like, regardless of parents, sometimes kids just find this, meaning this greater Mm -hmm. meaning in sport but then I always think about like the (laughs) the car ride home with the parent that is like living vicariously through their kid and um and I think that that is more so and I guess that's I I might be biased but that's like a North American thing of Mm -hmm. parents pushing their kids and wanting to live through their kids to pursue professional sports and whether that's this professionalization of youth sport and in, in America being like I'm 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 not 100 percent sure if it's a billion dollar business but I know it's a million dollar business like mm-hmm. youth sport and you could speak to that more because you've done some coaching um mm-hmm. because the only coaching I've done was at the university level for like one year but um yeah what like I guess with your experience now coaching in the UK like apart from the research that you do, like from the applied perspective, um, what, what are some of the differences you've noticed from like the American, uh, sort of framework and the UK framework? That's a really good question. So I think, um, it probably does depend, I think on the sport. 
Um, but what I've kind of noticed, because I am coaching, um, I have an under eight team here, um, is that football or soccer, as they say, um, it, it works closer to how American football works in the US. So you wouldn't necessarily meet someone in the US, except maybe at a high school level or above, right, who is an American football coach. Like if you go to what do they call it, uh, Pee Wee football, is that what it's called? young kids right young kids is going to be dads mostly you might have like a couple people from the organization kind of facilitating um but it's pretty it's kind of so much ingrained in the culture that there aren't um yeah at the younger levels i think i mean there's obviously coaches and teams and that but i think it's it's actually not in the uk quite as serious at the younger ages from what I've seen. Um, I think that was kind of interesting to me having coached in the U S some like absolutely mind bogglingly talented, like young teams, which there's now, of course, a lot of, you know, ethical concerns over that. Um, I'd like to think that the teams I was involved in, you know, there wasn't any kind of, uh, you know, toxic culture or anything going on but um you know there are always concerns about early specialization and stuff like that so i think um when you do have kind of across the whole culture a lot more structures to support like across you know whole developmental time period um you know you've got like lower level professional leagues are a lot more common and stuff here so i think there's just maybe more pathways later on, but I think it's actually seemed a little bit more laid back um, in terms of the, the younger ages. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Because from what, what, how I understand it, it's not like here, for example, in Boston, you look at youth, you're like, okay, you could t- Google 12 year old soccer. Right. And I mm. can imagine you'll come across like a few academies mm-hmm. and like a few clubs or travel teams just in one one metropolitan area right but Mm in would you agree or is the system much different than that in like in in england um it's hard for me to speak really generally but i think where i'm in the north um in sheffield um it's a relatively big metropolitan area i think it's about six hundred thousand. um there are actually not quite as many teams as i anticipated that there would be um, Mm. at those younger ages Um, but you know then at the top top level obviously you've got you know more academies I think Um, yeah the grassroots level I think um, there's just a lot of general participation Um, but I think kind of getting back to the original point I think there is you do see kind of the North American striving um, you know, as it kind of comes into youth sport, um, maybe it's a, you know, kind of a sociocultural constraint. Um, personally, I don't think it's 100% negative. Um, I think there's, you know, pros and cons to both. Well, totally. of those. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, yeah, that's just interesting. I mean, yeah, I can imagine some of the things you have seen, mm-hmm. like, just like, approaches taken from the the athletes you've worked with mm-hmm. where you are now um and the differences of where you have been right um that's awesome yeah does does like the, your i can imagine your sort of research interests and flow and 
um, sort of the greater meaning of sport, like, is that like a, is that like a continuous thought process while you're coaching as well? It is. I think um, that's actually been something sometimes occasionally difficult to navigate. It's kind of the intersection of academic interests and, um, you know, then kind of interacting with different environments as well. I think there's times where I'm kind of tempted to just keep it separate. Um, I think, for example, the organization that I'm coaching within, I've had a couple conversations with people, but I try not to kind of push, um, you know, my research or what's kind of associated with my research and kind of the academic line of thinking. I try to keep it organic, you know, if people ask about it. Um, But yeah, given that it's kind of a grassroots club i'm mostly just kind of doing it to stay involved in the sport um but there are i've had a couple conversations with people who kind of asked you know kind of stuff um a lot of what i'm looking at right now is attacker defender dyads um so like i was mentioning co-adaptation so um you know in all most all the invasion games you see those little fluctuations when you know one player is trying to go past or you know defend from the other side um you get those little fluctuations right so that's a lot of my research is kind of around that kind of stuff um so yeah i think there's definitely there's definitely applications um but it's just kind of picking and choosing when to kind of let those interact yeah that's interesting so attacker defender so you're they're looking from an opponent perspective right diets yeah yeah that's interesting so So, um when you were saying dyads i was thinking of like um the new sort of um essentially individual zones of optimal functioning 2.0 the shared zones of optimal functioning Mm -hmm. um where they look at like dyads and how um synced they are in the task at hand right? right and i think in sport particularly football soccer um it would be like, I don't know, for example, um, what would be a good dyad? Um, I mean, back in the day, it would be like uh, Messi and Xavi, right? Would be right. A dyad, yeah. right? And it would be interesting to see if like looking at their, the, uh, their brain waves using like neurofeedback to see if their, their brain waves sort of sync up like um, in the same rhythm when it comes to shared zones of optimal functioning. And mm-hmm. there's more to that sort of mm-hmm. theoretical framework. Um mm-hmm. But I wonder, and I'm wondering what your thoughts are on like the opponent. Like, right. do you think there's a sinking that happens there? Because it's like the, if you will, the dance, right? That happens. Right. Um, or yeah, yeah what so are that's, thoughts? yeah, that's actually a lot of kind of what I'm looking at, but sort of to step back. And I think this probably has implications for performance, like more broadly. Um, I found it really interesting that flow has always been studied um, to the best of my knowledge, unless something's, you know, snuck by me, but so it's been studied largely in individuals um, and then occasionally in teams, right? So, um, you know, if you're experiencing flow yourself or perhaps as a group that's acting cooperatively, you know, even within competition, but, you know, we're on the same team, right? Like you're saying, so there might be various types of synchronization uh, that people will say, oh, I knew where I was going to run, right? You kind of have good chemistry, right? But there's not been... Um, that I've seen anything that looks at experience across that competitive boundary. Uh, And for me, that is a pretty big gap 
Um, and I, I think it's kind of interesting to think about why that is. And I think that's why I'm trying to use this term co-adaptation rather than just competition, because I think competition for some people has a more of an antagonistic or a um, hostile connotation to it. Um, mm. But I think for, for me, it's been kind of slept on as a way of knowing somebody. Um, because when you do compete, or as I would say, co-adapt, right? Well, first of all, you've got to have sort of agreed to um, have this interaction, right? You know, you've both come into this game setting. But mm. it's quite um it's quite a really close relationship in a certain way in terms of kind of the the dynamics of it right you're very tightly coupled um and not and not to get too technical but you know there's different um types of couplings but you know the coupling that happens like in an attacker defender diet it it does sort of self-organize towards a certain point um, a philocritical point and you know that's where you kind of see those fluctuations start to happen right but um i've always felt like those relationships or interactions you get really close to someone in a you know in a metaphorical sense you know not so much in terms of physical proximity where you kind of have a sense of how someone thinks through the way that they move mm-hmm. um and sort of a silly little example is if you're walking on a sidewalk or in a hallway um you know you try to go opposite and you get stuck into that little yeah. that wiggle walk right um and, you know, people always kind of chuckle, right? But you can kind of see, first of all, you experience yourself kind of being sucked into that, right? Um, but you can kind of see how somebody thinks, right? Because they're actively deciding which way to go. You're actively deciding and you become kind of coupled into that. So yeah. um, all that to say, I think there is a lot to understand about, you know, relating to others through competition as maybe construed as co-adaptation. Yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. Um and you, you you will be actively um observing and collecting data mm-hmm. in the near future or are you currently yeah we've done a little pilot work uh, we've got some more pilot work and then we'll be collecting you know within the next couple of months um so we've got sort of an attacker defender activity set up um, yeah. using some motion capture that's uh, awesome yeah yeah that's amazing daunting but exciting what it's a daunting it's you know it's always a lot the first time through but yeah 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 Yeah, that pilot it's like you're you're working out the kinks of Mm -hmm. of the whole of the whole study that's cool that's cool um yeah it's i think i mean yeah that definitely can i mean not only like the the dynamics of flow but the um the idea of competition like it mm-hmm. will speak to that i can imagine the findings that mm-hmm. um come out of the of the study which is awesome yeah so tell me a little bit about how you got interested in team cohesion um you know many of the other things that you're researching as well yeah um so long story um uh, <laughs> but it's a uh i'll sort of share like the most uh influential transitions that I've experienced throughout my life that uh, sort of speak to my research. Um, It wasn't as uh, linear as some, I don't know, some people experience sort of linear progression. I think it's when it comes to research, sometimes it's difficult because it's like, you're just exploring it's curiosity um, Mm -hmm. based off of maybe lived experiences. 
Um, but uh, so for me, it was, I always say my, it's funny because I always say my education started in grad school. Um, my undergrad education, I did not take seriously at all. Um, I, I literally went to undergrad to play soccer. Um, and, and the plan was to continue playing soccer. And I mean, I wouldn't be here if, if I did continue playing soccer. So, um, but, uh, I am grateful for the game. That's for sure. Because it got me some great experiences, but, uh, it's, it's the reason why I got interested in team cohesion, um, was because of what I have experienced, um, in the game of, mm-hmm. of soccer, where I've been a part of many teams, teams that were extremely cohesive, like had a high sort of perception of cohesion, each individual. Um, and then I had teams that were horrible, just like, and I think a lot of that, a lot of those dynamics played, uh, were influenced by the leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, so a, maybe a lack of leadership, maybe the leadership style. Um, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So leadership style could be anything from, I mean, if you look at the leadership literature, like autocratic, right. Um, or just laissez-faire type of leadership, you know, so I feel like I've experienced a lot of that, um, mm-hmm. a lot of different types. Um, and then when I found myself uh, having the opportunity to pursue a master's, and this was in Canada, um, I've, I've just jumped into cohesion and, and group dynamics mm-hmm. uh, literature. So, and when it comes to team sports, um, I think, I mean, one of the most important Uh, one of the most important things a team can do to improve their outcomes, right. Is to be a cohesive team. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't mean like they just have to be uh, extremely um, social together off the, off the pitch or off the court. Right. But the most important thing, are they, do they have task cohesion? Right. Mm -hmm. Because I can imagine you would drive around to these professional clubs walk into the locker room and you I I'm like hundred percent sure you wouldn't uh, see everyone being socially cohesive off the out of performance. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. Right. Um, but if there's that task cohesion, it's important. Right. So, so how do we increase that, mm-hmm. um, that task cohesion? So um, I, I dove into some of the team building um, intervention literature and, sort of looked around what was what uh, has been done, what hasn't some ideas. Um, and then I came across mindfulness, right. Um, and very much so from a contemplative perspective, like, I think it was like my personal journey, sort of, mm-hmm. uh, I was also asking some like, questions of purpose, meaning in my life, um, and came across like, meditative practices. Um, and it was interesting to look at the mindfulness of meditation literature and sport because the nature of mindfulness and meditation is non-striving right that those are one of the tenets mm-hmm. and it's interesting to see that being conducted in sport when it's like everything about sport is outcome right mm-hmm. outcome oriented um so i saw sort of some dissonance there mm-hmm. for just like reading the literature so i was like 
how about we take mindfulness and meditation and the purpose of it to teach a team is to increase cohesion and mm-hmm. use it as a team building intervention. Right. Um, so uh, that was my initial, that was my master's thesis. Um, and uh, it, yeah, it was essentially a pilot study. I, I still haven't replicated it. I would like mm-hmm. to at a bigger scale just to see and, and also work out the kinks, but mm-hmm. as uh, grad students out there know, um, it's it's a process trying to make a perfectly um, controlled study, especially when it's an intervention based um, and especially when you're working with a student athlete uh, team that they're essentially doing two full time jobs and you're trying to get data um, or collect survey surveys from them. Um, not everything's going to go as planned um, as well as scheduling. So it was challenging, but it was, it was good. It opened my eyes to, uh, first of all, like some of the, the potential of mindfulness meditation. And I mean, there's a lot of research out there, like trying to, um, provide us with whether it's uh, a protocol, like people monetizing some of the research that they're doing. And I get that. Um, uh, some people taking various, um, approaches to it, whether it's performance enhancement, whether it's dealing with injury, whether it's, um, just general well-being, right. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, as to answer your question, this is long-winded, but to answer your question, that's how I, um, sort of, uh, develop my interest. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, uh, with the research that I'm doing, um, I, d- most recently I, I dove into, uh, the leadership of group dynamics and, and was looking at, uh, the task and social leadership, um, qualities and, and what that, that even, what type of research has even been done in the sport realm, um, particularly with peer leadership. So there's tons and tons of research looking at leadership with uh, with coaches, right? With predominantly those people who make the biggest decisions, right? Um, but there isn't a lot of leadership leadership research looking at peer peers amongst peers or athletes, right? Um, so I was interested in cohesion, right? Both at the social cohesion and task cohesion level. And then also collective efficacy. So looking at team confidence. Um, Mm -hmm. So what, what impacts do peer leaders have on those two, two um, variables, cohesion and collective efficacy. Um, And it was interesting to see some of the, some of the literature on uh, particularly collective efficacy um, Mm -hmm. and looking at task and social uh, peer leaders um, because you would think that task leaders would have a greater impact on on collective efficacy. Um, however, it, it, that wasn't the case. It was, I mean, it it wasn't a, a significant p value. It was it was getting there. It was almost there. <laughs> um, but I also think the amount of articles that we we found. I want to say on the collective efficacy side, there were only like four wow. that only had uh, task and social peer leadership. Um, so, I mean, that also tells you there has to be more research right. um, moving forward. 
uh, so hopefully maybe give it a decade and that's going to might look different. Um, the sample sizes were night like big though. So over, over 3000, I believe athletes, um, which was, which is, it's always great to have that. Um, but so, yeah, so that was sort of my first, that was actually my first qualifying task, uh, that meta-analysis, uh, conducted for my, for my PhD. And, and now moving forward, I'm, I'm going to continue, uh, focusing on, um, mindfulness and meditation, um, mm-hmm. within team settings, uh, and, and not looking, not necessarily looking at just, um, just like a, a program because mm-hmm. I think there's so much research on, okay, this is a protocol. We're going to see pre and post mm-hmm. and that's fun and all, but do we know what each exercise in that program, how it impacts the mm-hmm. athlete or their individual? Right. So I think particularly in the sport realm, um, I think what needs to be done is research looking at individual meditation exercises and examining the impacts and then creating a a sort of a um protocol based off of the research that we found so and that just that could be like a research agenda for a whole career right obviously um i don't foresee myself doing that just focusing on that um maybe contributing a little bit um but so yeah that, again that's a long-winded answer but that's sort of where i'm at uh in, in my sort of research career if you will that's fascinating. I want to hone in on one thing for a minute is the sort of college sport, right? It's obviously a subset of performance psych, uh, but sort of that being personal to both of us. One thing that stuck out to me was when you said that um, in undergrad, you were essentially there to play sport, right? Um, and I 100% resonated with that, right? That was my experience as well. Um can you talk a little bit about what that type of context? So, you know, the fact that we were there, um, you know, and that being sort of our whole, that kind of wrapped up all of our um, activities, right? You know, you've obviously got classes and all other stuff going on, right? But that as a whole, you know, this context of being within university, um, that's sort of what you're doing with your life at that point, right? Um, you know, can you talk a little bit about how college sports might be sort of a unique context in the sense that even compared to professional athletes, right? So much of your context is shared. Um, and when you do have that context being so meaningfully situated within the grand scheme of a lot of those students, athletes lives, what kind of impact does that have for both, um, you know, task cohesion and, you know, some of those more social aspects? So I'm, I'm guessing there's probably some some negatives and positives for that, right? Yeah, I, I can imagine. I don't know if they're easy, if they like examining that, particularly that question, that would be a great qualitative um, research study. But um, I mean, just the context of student athlete life, it definitely, I think it speaks to social uh, mm-hmm. cohesion a lot because, I mean, student athletes, if you're on a team, you're living together, you're eating together, you're mm-hmm. training together. Um, I mean, and let's be real, you're partying together, you know, like you're <laughs> doing all, like, that's part of the student athlete experience. Like you're, right you're doing all of these things together. 
um, particularly with your roommate, who's most likely also on the team that you're right. a part of, right? Um, and traveling and whatnot. Um, you're, you're coming to campus early, um, and you're you're experiencing all of this together. Um, so, by default, you would think, like anecdotally, just think, like I mean, anecdotally, I think that social cohesion plays a huge role. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the task, depending on, and of course, like taking, looking at the American context, like, I think it's a little different when you look, looking at division three versus division one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the dedication and passion level might be there, right? But um, I mean, the resources aren't there, the competition might look different depending on what conference you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't get me wrong, like, I think there are some D3 athletes who could probably play D1, right? Um, and then some D1 athletes who probably shouldn't be playing on a D1 team, right? But again, I I don't have that much coaching experience, but um, just what I've noticed um, throughout my um, throughout my time working in athletics. Because I mean, I've uh, as a as a consultant, I've worked at all levels for the past six years. Um, and it's just interesting, even doing sports psychology work in those environments, it's a totally different uh, approach doing it from a D3 perspective when you're in D3 athletic department and a D1 athletic department. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's more, it's almost like there's more, there's a greater emphasis on performance enhancement at the D1 level. And just like a you shift it to more so of a, like, just like a well-being wellness perspective at a D3 level. Um, and, and that, that, that has been my experience um, at least. Um, so, and when, when you're talking about, sorry, I know you asked cohesion task and social, but um, for us, like we went through a lot during, during our time. And I mean, this, we're still, you're halfway across the world and we're still talking, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And, and it's actually quite, quite, um, quite interesting because Dave and I, we, uh, we were, we played on the same team, but we were, I was a freshman. He was a senior. So we just uh, missed each other by three years, but we were together for one year. Um, And then like, we were, I don't know, would you call it? We were like acquaintances, I guess to some extent at first yeah um and then when you're you were out of college you stayed in the area and sort of you you would always come to open uh open field sometimes right, yeah. during off season so we, yeah. we grew cl- closer but then when you you mentioned that you're interested in pursuing the psychology of of flow and and um of this idea that you mentioned with the purpose and meaning of sport um that's when i think our friendship sort of flourished if you will you know um and and like you said earlier we both started our phds at the same time um so that has sort of strengthened our relationship because Mm -hmm. in i i think sometimes what what happens when you go through being a student athlete you have that experience um when individuals find their different um careers after after school um, sometimes you grow apart because there's no longer that uh, united sort of experience. Mm-hmm. Like it's in the past and there's nothing that continues. Mm-hmm. Um, so for you and I, 
we were in that same experience on the team, right? And then time went on and then we we both were interested in the same thing. So that even strengthened our our bond, if you will, right? right. Um, versus, I mean, there are some players I don't even talk to anymore. And I mean, just because it's, we we only identified ourselves with the task at hand with being right. on the team, right? Um, and that's okay. And I don't, I mean, that's fine. Um, so I think going back to cohesion, I think that social aspect, um, just the greater context that being a student athlete is, is, is a lot stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it's the classic saying you, you'll forget championships and this, the, the emotional experience that you had between an individual and yourself, I think will stay just as strong moving throughout your life you know mm-hmm. um there's a particular saying around that like um it's not what happens or something but how that person made you feel right right um so i think yeah. that speaks to and i i i actually think this this probably has not been researched this is like a lot of this is anecdotal and some just my thoughts based off of some of the research and also some of the applied work, uh, I guess, looking at it from a scientist practitioner framework, if you want me to mm-hmm. use that <laughs> term. Um, but uh, that's interesting. And and I continue, like, I, I continue seeing that at like the D1 level, um, mm-hmm. the, the athletic departments I'm working in currently, and um, that in the moment, athletes of course want to pursue like top level performances right Mm. Um, but we have to also be realistic like i think it's less than one percent of people out of d1 athletic departments go professional Mm. Um, and that's that's only looking at like the major league sports right Mm -hmm. Um, so think about like swimming and diving you know how many people are gonna from d1 athletic departments actually going to make it to like the olympics right um, or a track and field events. Right. Um, so it's, I can imagine that looks a lot different based off of, uh, sort of those, um, less media frenzied, um, right. sports, if you will. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was a long winded answer, but that, those were some of my thoughts. Yeah. The one thing that that was coming to me from that, which college athletes will know, uh, is just, there's sort of an interesting thing that happens when you've played with someone um, in, you know, that type of an intense competitive environment that you know them in a way that it's difficult to get to know other people, you know, short of maybe someone who you've known throughout childhood, right? Um, but it's almost that type of a depth to it that it's hard to replicate later on sort of with people that you meet because, the, you know, it is something that was so meaningful to us. Um, you know, so you see people kind of at just like unbelievable highs and lows, you know, like, I think we could remember probably, you know, say 2011, you know, all kind of jumping, chanting together, just sort of that euphoric, but, you know, also the times when you see people, I don't think there's many people in the locker room who I haven't seen cry, you know, uh, just because it's so meaningful to people, um, and because you do share so much of that context, you know, all of the events that kind of unfold, I think the meaning is also shared so closely. Um, 
And I think that's always been interesting, like, you know, when you said at some points, there's just kind of task cohesion. Um, but it's always, in some ways, is actually a little bit like family that you're close with the people in a certain way, you know them in a certain way, even before you feel a certain way about them. Um, yeah. I always thought that was a really interesting aspect of kind of being in a group like that. Um, and I, I think that is why like a lot of those relationships are so enduring. Yeah, no, totally. I think you, yeah, you hit the nail on the head with that one um, where you, there's this euphoric almost hive mind of like you're chanting all this stuff, mm-hmm. this group f- flow, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then there's this, the down of, I mean, I just thinking, it's just thinking about like, particularly your senior year when it's like the senior class and it's a, it's that last game. And it's just like, it's, it's total defeat. It doesn't matter what happens in the game. It's like defeat because you know, this was the last experience, you know? Right. And that, I think that it's almost like that, that following that last game you have played in, in, in college, like it's pain, you know, it's yeah. like, all the emotions built up over the course of the, the, regardless, if you won, you lost conference champs, national champ, whatever you're, you're, you're feeling pain that this experience is over. Um, that's why the, it, it's such a unique um, experience to, to, to be a, to have the opportunity to be a college athlete um, yeah. in, in America, just a system yeah. of course. And I'm not saying it's perfect. Of course it's not. Um, especially thinking about, like nil coming into and how that's going to impact uh the the sort of the trajectory and experiences of of athletes but it it is a very unique and and i mean at least in my experience it was uh, a a great experience regardless of like the the hurt that i experienced throughout and um yeah we i mean we had a opportunity to win a a conference championship which was which was pretty fun Mm -hmm. and um, for the first time in uh, uh, the college history, make it into uh, national, yeah. at least of na- regionals, to try to make it to nationals, where our goalie uh, scored a uh, scored yeah. a goal um, because we didn't. So many people were injured. Um, yeah, good times. Um, but Dave, uh, I, I think we were in flow because a lot of time right. went by as we were talking, and which is great. Um, but I was wondering, do you have any like uh, parting thoughts as to like what to expect from from the from these talks, this channel or what have you um, to to the people that are listening? Yeah, so I think we kind of like to have this conversation in a way, hopefully that invites people to kind of join in, um, you know, share their thoughts, you know, things that might resonate, things that um, might interest people to hear more about as well um, and kind of to kind of be on sort of this path of exploration um, kind of alongside of us. And yeah, um, hopefully that sparks some people's interest. Um, and I think we'll try to kind of stay t- near to what what's kind of keeping us interested as well. Um, so hopefully people kind of can resonate with that and we'll get some synergy going as well. I love that. I love how you said, exp- like, stay on the path of exploration with us and like be included um yeah as to, like just with like what you liked what you didn't like maybe what you'd like to hear i i totally i totally um not to repeat what you said but i i, I agree with that and um 
we want this to be an interaction with the people who listen. Like if you're, I mean, if you're someone who's interested in the field, like you could be a coach, a player, like feel free to maybe ask some questions. Uh, that'd be mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but also if you're like a grad student um, and there's some research that you're doing, like that's awesome. Like feel free to share that. Or mm-hmm. um, even if you're a veteran in the field, like, and, and regardless if you're on the psych side or on the kinesiology side or on, or sports science, what have you, like we're all family performance psychology. Um, we're, we're all pursuing sort of that enhancement from various, um, not only an enhancement, but the understanding of the process of what it, what does it mean to perform? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and it doesn't have to be in sport. It could be performing arts. It could be military. It could be business. Right. Um, so just thinking about that and, and we're, we're just, we're excited to, I mean, share what we're, what, what we're exploring, just like Dave said, and hopefully uh, this, this content is meaningful, or there's at least something that resonates. Um, And yeah, so uh, feel free to stay tuned. um, And we'll catch you all guys later um, at a future date. Take care.